0: This is episode number five of the Abuse Talk podcast with me Jennifer Gilmore. Welcome to the Abuse Talk podcast. My name is Jennifer Gilmore and I turned my mess into a message. I'm an author and advocate for women in abusive relationships and promote that together we are louder. each fortnight there is a new episode on the abuse talk podcast featuring a series of interviews with those that work in the domestic abuse sector getting an inside feel for what it's really like in their job role and sharing it with all of you there's also a chance for you to join in the discussion by leaving a voice recording a message so that we can share together in the discussion In this episode, I speak to Lisa Pickering of Picasso Legal. Lisa is a solicitor and she answers the questions that many had on the family court system. The interview was originally broadcast on my YouTube channel around six months ago and now available for your ears. And I'm really delighted to have Lisa Pickering with me who is a solicitor and also the main sponsor of Abuse Talk, The Forum. So thank you for joining me first of all, Lisa. Not a problem, happy to be here. Great! Um, I was, <laughs> are you really happy? <laughs> um, so, Lisa, will you just tell us first a bit about you and also what your job role entails?
1: Okay. Uh, Yeah, I am Lisa Pickering. I run a firm called Picasso Legal, based in Telford in Shropshire. We've been young for about four years. I do family law. I have been doing family law. Well, I qualified as a solicitor at the beginning of 2007, but I'd already been doing it before that, either as a trainee or a paralegal, just sort of helping out the the, the team uh, there at the firm. So I've been doing it since then. Um, So this would cover divorces, sorting out the finances, children. Helping people who have been victims of domestic abuse and wanting to get caught help from that with that Um, and all the associated bits that come with families either coming together, so change of name deeds, uh, cohabitation agreements, prenups, and all the stuff that happens when a family splits up, and and everything in between. There's a lot to cover. (laughs)
0: That does sound like a lot. So obviously you've mentioned domestic abuse, and this is exactly why um mm-hmm. doing these interviews, etc. Um, so what what comes up with your clients? You know, what's the link? How does that come about? Is it something that you see or is it that they approach you and tell you that's the situation?
1: It can be both. Um, so, so people will sometimes come to me and say that that they have received divorce uh, an indication that their partner wants their husband wants a divorce or their wife wants a divorce um and and every time that I meet somebody there's some questions that I would just ask just just to, to get an idea of how the the dynamics have been in that relationship so how is it that disputes are dealt with what you know how does that tend to pan out and you can sometimes highlight when there has been a level of abuse sometimes they're aware of it um, but don't necessarily want to do anything about it because they're already talking to me about divorce. They've already found an escape, if you like. Some of them don't recognise that it is abuse at all. They just think that this is how things are, and they've, they've put up with it for that long. It's become the norm. Some of them get a bit upset at the suggestion that it has been abusive. They really don't like to accept it. I haven't quite figured I suppose it's different for different people. Sometimes they're upset at, that this almost labels them. And they don't want to be labelled a victim. Um, sometimes it's that they they love they love their partner or they love their husband and they don't want him to be labelled an abuser. Um, I, I think there is a stigma that comes with having that 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 label put onto the relationship and, and people generally don't want it or they're reluctant to accept it. But then there are others who come to me and say, I know that this is wrong this is not how a relationship should work and I'm not gonna put up with it any longer will you help me and and oh they're difficult but they're also really quite uplifting when you can see somebody finding that strength to, to, to deal with it and and to and to put an end to it and, and that's always great to help that's always been my, my favorite part of the job actually yeah, sounds cliche but it's
0: true <laughs> Well, am I assuming that you've got a passion for that area then I think that's why we originally connected, anyway. I think so.
1: I mean, it—it it sounds like a horrible topic to have a passion about, yeah. um, <laughs> but but it, it is true. It is something that I can talk about at at, at length, and and really oh, I probably do end up lecturing people sometimes. I try not to, but you know, I think it's something something that everybody can understand. It's something that is wrong, something that is broken in in society that needs to be fixed, and and. and and the frustration at the limits of what I can do to help, whilst at the same time being glad that I can do something to help and I will do all of it still. It's like, well, there there are so many of these people coming through asking for help. Well, when does that end? When do I get to the end of that queue? If they're all queuing up, where's the end of that queue? And it it just seems to be never-ending. And and that can be a little bit demoralising at times, but again, you just actually there are that many people needing the help let's just get on and do it and do what we can um and, and that just drives you I mean it it, it does give you a passion it, it builds a passion whether you had one in the first place or not you can't escape it I think mm. so it's such an emotive topic as well mm. you know these really emotional it, it, it's a hugely traumatic time for people and to be able to be involved in that and to help it's an honour, actually. It's quite a privilege to have somebody invite me in to that difficult, most vulnerable part of their life and say, Lisa, I want you to be part of this. Help me. Oh, wow, really.
0: Well, I had a set of questions in an order, but I can't do them in order. Um, and I think it just really, this question really leads on from what you've just spoken about. Um, I have asked other people to ask questions you know to, to basically ask you because sometimes it's difficult to get uh those types of answers from solicitors and the one thing that kept coming up um from people is will you believe me from oh, the people that have actually been through abusive relationships and that is their main concern when they're looking for a solicitor is will they be, be, be believed so i mean how do you handle that? <laughs> How? How? Do in all honesty, I,
1: I think quite simply, most of the time, I do is the answer. <laughs> I mean, um, I, I can't, I can't hundred percent say that hundred percent of my clients will come in with a with with a, a set scenario that uh, with details of their situation and there aren't questions. Sometimes there are questions or things don't add up, and I have to balance that with, well, do you know what? Sometimes they just don't add up. Sometimes these things don't make sense, and and. Uh, Sometimes they just forget how everything fitted together and therefore when they're relaying it Anybody trying to remember a traumatic situation is going to forget details Um, And and you you have to bear that in mind. Um, I Don't think there are very many at all that have come to me and I I don't believe them. I, I I can't I can't think of anybody that I've said I've, I've re- finished the meeting with them and thought that that was all made up I don't believe anybody I can't remember that ever happening but if just to look at it on a more cynical point of view if that helps anybody it doesn't matter it doesn't matter whether we believe you because we can help you anyway if you are saying this is what's going to happen we can give you the advice that fits what you have told us we can tell you the actions to take on the basis of what you are telling us as, as a solicitor um, and, and we can help you follow that path that you have decided you need the help with we can do that um we can do we can do that whether we believe you or not and we will always give you the best advice that fits what information you are giving us um, so i mean that's that's just very cynical and it probably doesn't really help. <laughs> <laughs> but even at the worst case scenario, you will still get the help. But in all honesty, we believe you. You know, you, you're probably sitting there holding it together, we can tell. I've, I've been through it where I've been walking on eggshells in a relationship because I'm trying to manage the person that I'm in a relationship with. And it took me a long time to realize that I was being managed. But I've always thought I had everything under control, and you hold yourself in a particular way, and you put you put your game face on, your poker face, and you, and you know how you're dealing with that, and you think you're getting away with it, and most of the time, and a lot of the time, you are. But I think it takes one to know one, and y- you can spot you can spot when things are being said in a certain way, or it can just be as simple as a as a bit of a twitch where, when a question gets asked and they don't want to answer, or there's a reluctance in how they're answering, or you just the, the belief thing has never been a problem but even if it was a problem we'd help you anyway I don't really know how else to answer
0: that is a, is the job and I suppose yeah. it's that I think it's more that it's embedded in people that you know I think I had that fear. like I had it was it wasn't a criminal offense back then so I had like who it Does it even matter? Does it even matter in the courts? So it is kind. It's it's difficult, isn't it? But I think the other
1: thing is as well. Quite often that the people I'm speaking to don't believe it.
0: Yeah. You know, if if if, and
1: and if they've got their own doubts, either if there's been gaslighting and they're not entirely certain what the hell's been going on, um, or even if well, or they've been made to believe it's their fault. This is, so, this is so common and so they've got their own doubts, so they can only project those doubts onto other people and assume that the solicitor that they're asking for help from is also going to have those doubts, it's, it's totally understandable, um, it's not something that people should worry about, go and see a solicitor, absolutely.
0: Thank you for that, I'm sure that will help um, many people that are watching because obviously it's just something that's kept coming up, so thank you for that. Um, now talking about when somebody first comes to you perhaps they've been in a domestic abusive relationship legal aid is gonna be <laughs> <laughs> now- how do people apply for it what's the criteria because it's always changing sometimes it might even be different <laughs> <in separate laughs> years. and is it even is it worth it i mean sometimes i've heard that legal aid might cover just a percentage you know is it worth the whole process because i know that you end up with a file this big to give to prove and everything yeah okay so, tell, tell tell us <laughs> Oh,
1: okay so this is a big topic um okay To be eligible for legal aid, there are are three aspects to it. One is that you are financially eligible. So your income, your household income, has to be below a certain threshold. Uh, We can take into account, we have to take into account all of your income. Uh, And if if you've got a new partner and they're producing an income, you have to take that into account. If you're getting board and lodgings from your teenage son, you've got to take that into account, everything. Um, What we can knock off is somewhat limited. So you get a £45 allowance because you might work. This does not apply to self-employed people. This is just people who are employed. You get an allowance that is knocked off for having dependents with you. So depending on how many there are under, uh, under 18 or, or a dependent partner, you'll get an amount that's knocked off for that. And we can knock off rent or mortgage for where you're living. It does not include rent or mortgage for another house that you used to live in that you're perhaps still paying the mortgage on and your ex lives there, but you're now paying rent only where you're living. Um, there's a cap on how much you can they can take into account for that as well and uh, we don't care about the fact that you have to pay council tax or pay the bills or eat that all has to come out with whatever is left at the end of it okay so that's a financial criteria Mm -hmm. then you've got to make sure that you are a demonstrable victim of domestic abuse Mm -hmm. now this can be that um, the person who was abusive has been convicted of an offence Uh, or or arrested for an offence, bear in mind this needs to be a domestic abuse offence, not breach of the peace or something generic. Um, And it has to be against you. Uh, It has to be um, something that can be verified essentially by an organisation that the legal aid agency trusts, so the police, maybe social services, your GP, a health visitor, that sort of stuff. If none of those apply but the abuse is still ongoing, needing to get immediate protection from the court is enough evidence if you need a non molestation order or you need some form of injunction right now that need and going through that process to get it is enough your legal aid sort of gets backtracked in order to cover the work that's required to get it it's not quite a chicken and egg situation but it's kind of like that so that gets covered and alongside all of that you need to have the third part, which is that you've got good merits. You've got a good case. They're not going to pay. Um, they're not going to pay for somebody to go to court if, if they wouldn't have bothered if they had to pay for it themselves. Right. You know, it, you've got. You, they're not going to pay for just anybody to run off to court. You've got to have a good reason for going. So those are the things you need to check. Um, the financial bit. There's a there's a hierarchy. So you might be below the threshold to say that you're eligible, but they might want a contribution from you. So this contribution could be on a monthly basis if your household income is a, sort of in between levels, below one to be eligible, but enough high enough to get, so you've got to pay, pay a contribution. You'd pay that every month that you're eligible and that your matter is live. With a non molestation order, an injunction, that can be quite quick, so don't panic. That could be that you make one payment. Um, but if you've got ongoing issues with Children Act stuff, these can go on for months, and that would be a payment that you have to make every month. Uh, or it could be um, from your capital if you've got savings. If you own a property, that can be a big problem because in theory you've got money in the house, but you can't get hold of it. And you know you can't just say, right, well I'll take I'll take a few th- you know a few hundred pounds out of the out of the house to pay for my legal aid. That's not easily done. So there are some people who fall into that category. Um, so it's not an ideal system.
0: No it sounds very difficult and I think you've just clarified the difficulty of it. Mm. I've got quite a lot of barriers to sort of get through um, which I'm I'm assuming a lot of people apply and just get rejected um, but it's still worth applying for.
1: Okay the, the solicitor will apply on your behalf so a solicitor will assess they'll go through the figures with you look at what evidence you've got and they will tell you whether it's worth applying or not so there are not so many rejections from the legal aid agency, but there might be from solicitors who have gone through the maths and, and worked out that you're just not going to be eligible. Right. Um, what was the other part of the question? Sorry.
0: <laughs> well, I suppose you've answered it because it was more that, is it still worth a- applying for? Okay,
1: there, there are other times when you have to make a contribution. No, let me back up. For legal aid, because, because people are vulnerable when it's for domestic abuse related the the caps for being eligible have uh, quite often waived so whilst there is a a limit of, of a few thousand pounds that you can have savings and if you're above that limit you wouldn't be eligible for legal aid for domestic abuse they will say there is no cap you can have the legal aid however the contribution that you have to make is the full amount that the solicitor will charge Right. So so many people say to me, well, why not just pay the solicitor? What's the point of going through the legal aid agency? And the answer is legal aid rates to pay a solicitor are much cheaper than high street rates. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and the other thing is that it, even if you do end up having to repay your legal aid, because there are circumstances where if you receive money at the end of it, perhaps from a divorce settlement, you have to repay all of your legal aid back anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's still worth it because it's at a cheaper rate than you would otherwise get. And also, in those circumstances, you don't have to pay it until the end. Contributions, you have to pay up front or on an ongoing basis. But where it's sort of like a clawback, you can pay that at the end. So it's deferred and you can quite often pay that from your divorce settlement if that applies. So there are still times where it's worth doing it. If, if nothing else, you're probably looking a third or a quarter of the price that you would ordinarily pay if you went to a solicitor privately rather than relying on the legal aid.
0: Right. Okay. That's, I didn't. I didn't think about the difference between you know the money on high street and legal. Wow. So that's that's good. There's yeah, sure quite honestly. a
1: difference. The solicitors are very aware of the difference.
0: Uh, yeah. I think I remember that being mentioned. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. So I've personally gone through the family court system for a, a couple of different things. And I found that there is a lack of consistency with the judges. So if you say going in multiple times, so do you find this um, because I've heard it from a few people and what would you say about this? Would you say that this isn't a problem, especially for domestic abuse and recognizing the signs, perhaps somebody isn't convicted, but they're still using the court system as a way to abuse their ex-partner?
1: oh yes uh okay so judges are humans uh and they are individuals so i suppose the starting point is that you are going to get a different judgment from different judges that yeah. they, they, they they're, they're all dealing with the same law but the law can be interpreted in many ways you you just got to think about how the legal system works it is one person saying x and another saying y and they are both relying on the same law to argue their point but you can have two different points of view so you're always going to get sometimes where you expect an outcome but you've got a different judge and he has given a different spin that is possible i'd like to think that most of them are quite consistent um and certainly you get to know the judges in your local area and what what their views generally are on certain topics so you can anticipate how they're going to respond you do get some sort of Uh, That blindside you perhaps with a decision that you you really weren't expecting and then you have to deal with well Was that the wrong decision? Was the law applied wrongly Um, or, or was there some piece of information that we perhaps missed? And what have you and then sort of review that afterwards, but generally they're quite consistent I think bearing in mind they are different people So that was that one as to how they deal with Abusive exes within the children act proceedings most most commonly I don't know that I can give you a standard answer on this because there have been many times where I have been so frustrated on on my client's behalf so upset I mean I've been in court in in tears in court before because I'm so upset for my client because the difficulties that usually she has gone through with with abuse just seem to be not discarded because you kind of get the lip service oh yes we're aware of this but then it doesn't seem to make any difference um and the ones that that are praised are the ones that are able to let it go oh my god you know why should they let it go how, how dare you be telling somebody they should just let it go he's not letting it go um yeah I'm afraid it does happen it does happen and you need to have you need to make sure that whoever is representing you can hammer that home and make it clear that this is what is happening within the proceedings so you need to make sure you've got a representative who is willing to argue with the judge because uh, sometimes that can be scary but it needs to be done sometimes it, it genuinely does just and um, that said there are times when letting it go on this occasion yeah. probably is the best outcome there's a time and place for dealing with with disputes sometimes or aspects of those disputes and 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 sometimes you will have to have a piece of you know, you just have to have faith in the system that this will come through it will you know it'll go go in the wash and, and it'll come out in the wash and, and and we'll be dealing with it and and um it will be taken into account even though it feels like everybody's ignoring it for now um have faith in the system I do think overall it gets there it's perhaps not a perfect system we all know this but it is the one we've got and it's just a matter of figuring out how to use it best um, have faith get a good solicitor
0: <laughs> okay so I also speak to a lot of women going through the family court system and they are often unhappy with CAFCAS um, or frightened again that they won't be listened to Um, do you have any guidance with the services that are coming in you know, with the reports or system, do you have any guidance on people, you know, dealing with CAFCAS in general?
1: (laughs) I think it's probably going to be a generic answer here in that be ultra reasonable, be ultra calm, uh, have your bullet points of what you want to say, don't go off on one, Um, this is not necessarily an opportunity to attack, this is to present yourself as the most reasonable, most sensible option, if you like. Have yourself some a, a point of uh, a list of points you want to make that you want Kafka to know. Make sure these are relevant and that you are actually going to affect the outcome. Um, they are not the enemy. If you treat them as such, they will become the enemy they are the people that are making the ultimate decisions. We talk about the judges making the decisions, but they are guided by social services and CAFCAS, and and, and they are making recommendations that most of the time the court will follow. They don't always, and there are times where we can suggest that they don't, and there's a reason for not following the recommendation, but most of the time, it is CAFCAS that will say what the outcome ultimately will be. Just, what else can I say?
0: i think you've i think you've said <laughs> and, and and i think i remember you know i remember telling other people that this is you know or even support workers saying you know there's a lot of people that will go into the meetings and be you know shouting and saying effing and jeffing and even and even going into the courts and doing that mm-hmm. um, but because of probably the tension and the pressure that they feel and that they don't want to be put into this situation but i mean the they remember they said to me that I was so calm and, and everything, but I don't know whether that actually can hinder something.
1: You see, I've I've had it before where people have been <gasps> so calm and so collected yeah. that they come across as some sort of alien or robot and it's like, well, where's the emotional response here? So don't feel that you can't cry. You know, if you, if yeah. this is this is traumatic. If you're upset by this, let that be known. It's there's no there's no problem with letting it known that you're upset. Um balance that of course if you're hysterical that's going to be a problem because it's going to be you know assumptions brought from that so just be honest be honest about what has happened be honest about how you feel be honest about how you want to present it just try and be authentic i suppose
0: yeah okay thank you and i know we've touched on this a little bit already but i want to come back to perpetrators continuing to use the the family court system so yes continue their abuse like do you ever sense that that's happening and you know that's why i say about consistency of judges would that help them if it was the same judge that they would actually pick up on that do you know what i mean because it's like i suppose when you enter an abusive relationship you don't automatically go oh you're abusive do you it takes time and even after that relationship you're told you you might find out from somebody else or by a realisation. It's not necessarily when you're in that relationship. So mm-hmm. how on earth is a judge or a professional meant to see that anyway? I think quite
1: often the facts and the situation does speak for itself and the judges are trained to spot this sort of stuff. And of course they're relying on Kafka's uh, and social services who've also got their own training. And but, but quite often it can just be down to be the solicitor. This solicitor can say this is another form of abuse. This is ongoing abuse, and they can literally lay it out as simply as that. Uh, and they will. Uh, and, you know, I've done that if that's been required. And sometimes it's just just so that my client knows that it has been said and it has been raised. I'm probably aware that the judge already already knows about it, but just hearing it said in a court setting can really be reassuring for the client and can also actually just a bit of a message to to the abuser that we're on to you stop it you know that sort of thing that can be really quite helpful proceedings can be another form of inescapable abuse because you have got to engage you've got no choice if somebody has started court proceedings and you are the respondent you have to respond um it does get it does happen it is recognized um it doesn't always necessarily matter that it's recognized in that this is a process you have got to go through and i would just say keep jumping those hoops keep jumping them and you will get to the finish line in the end you will and if there are multiple applications that are made one after the other and 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 they just won't let it go and every small error is brought forward as a breach and then they need to be enforced again you can ask for uh, a court order that says that they're not to make any further applications without permission of the judge. It doesn't stop them making uh, applications entirely, but they have to go through this additional hurdle first to get permission from the judge to say, actually, you're not going to issue these proceedings. Um, So those of you who have seen the application form for children Act proceedings, one of the questions is, do you need permission to make this application? Now, that applies to non-parents who want to apply to for an order that relates to a child but it also applies to those who need to get permission because there's perhaps an existing order that says you're not allowed to just go ahead and do this we're going to suspend that right so there's an additional hurdle that can be built in but unfortunately you have to have jumped the initial hurdles a few times before you can persuade a judge that this is necessary and you know that is frustrating but again have faith in the system it may feel that it's letting you down in the meantime but it's all building and it will all it will all come together and and be used to support you in the end
0: and I've got just one last question um which kind of niggles in before that one really is what are your thoughts on mediation
1: (laughs) okay I I lose a lot of money for people going off to mediation rather than coming to see me and, and helping them as their solicitor I still keep recommending people go to mediation it is great there are times when it's not appropriate, you have to have a level playing field, you have to be able to argue your point and if you have been in a relationship where you've just got to the point where you don't bother arguing anymore because it's easier just to, you know, give in and, and just give them what they want, then it's perhaps not appropriate. However, there are some mediators out there that are very good at helping people in those situations. You can have mediation with you both in separate rooms. So it might be easier to say to the mediator what it is you want or why you disagree with a recommendation or a proposal. And they are the one that go back and say, you don't have to look them in the eye, you don't have to look at them at all and see their reactions. You don't have to see them roll in their eyes and you know, you don't have to deal with that. So you're one step removed, which makes it a lot easier. It is generally the quicker, easier, cheaper way of dealing with disputes, certainly in comparison to instructing a solicitor to represent you uh, even just in negotiations never mind court court proceedings and, and having a representative for that can be very expensive um, that said going to court without representation is, is free you, you, you can do that you might have to pay a court fee if you if you but if you can do that you can probably manage with with mediation as well it's really good I do recommend it
0: well thank you for that and um, before we go can you tell us where to find you if anybody wants some advice
1: Okay, uh, my office is at Meeting Point House in Telford, Shropshire. We are called Picasso Legal. Google us, you'll find us. Picasso Legal. The website is www.picassolegal.co.uk. Uh, office number 01952 303 004. Email is Lisa at Picasso um, Facebook forward slash Picasso and Twitter is at PicassoLegal.co.uk. Um There are plenty of ways to, go. just Google us, you'll find us, we're in Shropshire, Telford. We have represented people all around the country, so although we are here and we may not be able to see you face-to-face, then I'm clearly capable of dealing with Skype um, and, and video calls and what have you, that's all fine, but a lot of it can just be over the telephone and um, we can we can give you some advice, if nothing else, it's absolutely fine, just give us a call, send us an email, we'll see what we can do.
0: And I will also put all of your details in the description anyway. So I just made you say it for no reason, obviously. (laughs) (laughs) But I also want to mention, obviously, that Lisa also answers questions on the Abuse Talk forum, which is, I I cannot thank you enough, because if that was there for me back then, I would have completely utilised it. It would have just been, like... It would you'd have been a savior, really, in that situation. So I want to thank you for answering all the questions up to now and onwards.
1: Um,
0: And yeah, this will be the second premiere. So thank you for joining (laughs) Lisa and I. (laughs) (laughs) And the next one is it's on the first Wednesday of every month at seven thirty GMT. So hopefully you will join us again. (laughs) So (laughs) thank you, Lisa, for joining us for getting over the hairdo because I know you're a bit. Oh, it's all right. It's been, <laughs> fun. it's been fun. We can do this again. It's fine. <laughs> oh, there we go. Do something done something different, and now you're
1: like, can go back. <laughs> um, no, thank you very much. It's been good.
0: Thank you, everyone. Bye. say a big thank you to Lisa Bickering for agreeing to be interviewed all that time back six months ago now a lot has changed just want to say a big thank you for her because she was the founding main sponsor of Abuse Talk the forum and continues to answer questions that anybody has on family law so please do ask her a question if you have one You've been listening to Jennifer Gilmore, author of Isolation Junction and Clipped Wings. The next episode will be on the 30th of October, so make sure you tune in then.